1: who have found ways to bring hope, healing, and freedom into places where trauma has impacted them? I'm Allie, author of The Art of Healing Trauma, and I'm here to remind you that life is sweet. Now, let's dive in and find ways to create our joy. Hi, this is Allie, and find your joy. And oh my gosh, We have the one, the only, the fantabulous Lonnie Glass himself. And there's a long list of accolades that I would like to start spewing off about Lonnie. But what I'm thinking is from, from uh, ZZ Top tribute bands, um, Bruce Springsteen, you do your own singer songwriter stuff. Uh, You've been touring lately with Sarah Smith. I mean, it's, your, your list of things that you have not been a slacker.
0: Not a bit, you know, and I even have a new thing with a young, young fellow I met. He's a young uh, harmonica player and and we're called Big Train and we're, we're touring now as a blues duo. Oh and, my uh, and it's really quite fantastic. We did our first CD and uh, it's selling great. And we've got tons of, tons of gigs coming up in 2024. So he's oh, a young guy. I'm 73 and he's 33. Oh, and,
1: uh, we, that's, I love the energy. Like, you know, we have, yeah. we have, you know, what is it? Like, you know, how does it work? There's the old wolf and the young wolf sitting on top of the hill. You yeah. know, there's, <laughs> we don't go into the whole thing, but I like it because he'll have a certain way in, uh, of doing things. And you will, that'll be a great blend.
0: It's just incredible, and he's really—you know—he's quite a remarkable kid. His name is Daniel Morel from Montreal, and he was homeless for eight years, living on the streets.
1: Wow! And
0: so his story is unbelievable. So uh, it's quite a blessing for me, not only to help him, but for me to be sort of reinvigorating my my—I uh, mean, I've, this has been happening. Since I I hooked up with Sarah Smith, who right. was Really, the instigator of my sort of rebirth into into music again uh, in a touring sense, and uh, now I'm just raring to go. So it's it's great.
1: That's amazing. I love that. And so so I'm gonna let's back up a little bit. Sure. Is is um so you started touring like in the '60s.
0: Yeah, I was. I I think that. uh, Well, let's go way back. (laughs) The first concert I ever saw, my mother took me in 1957 to to see Elvis Presley. No, in Toronto. Oh, with his with his old lamé suit, the whole deal, twentieth row on the floor. It was. It was. I was seven, and uh, but she knew that I had this thing. Yeah. It was like one of the most remarkable things. I, And I still have, I still remember it. And there was this lady sitting in front of us and she had one of those beehive hairdos. Oh. And so my mother switched seats with me so I could see the stage. And uh, so oh. and my, my parents, none of them were musical whatsoever, but my mother really knew that there was something about me because I was quite the ham and... And I'd always be singing, so she had this this understanding somewhere that that uh, uh, music was in my my soul. So oh my that gosh. was my kind of introduction into, you know, it was a pretty major introduction. Is to see the can kids. you
1: even yeah. imagine? So
0: yeah, it was quite. Stunning. So and you
1: remember it so that I love when I when there's a thing from my childhood and it impacted me, and then I remember it. You're you know, I'm 64. So you know, I remember it these years later. So Elvis, like if there was anybody that was gonna drop a seed of yeah, of you are going to be it's contagious and you are going to crave it and you are going to um, um I'm just imagining that the um what am I what's the word I'm looking for? The inspiration or the uh, I can't remember the word right now, but the well, thing that you saw that, that you're going to go for that.
0: You know, it was amazing because I think the thing that I recall is that thinking I want to be on stage. Yeah. Oh. No, So it wasn't really even musical at that time. It wasn't musical till seven years later. I was in junior high school and I was playing uh, cello in, in, the, uh, in music class. And my teacher said, no, I think we're going to switch you to bass. And that was my first thing of, of being a bass player, which I of course became. But uh, in 1964 I, I saw the Beatles in Toronto. and that was that was that was the that was it. That was okay. I already know I want to be on stage. Now I know I, I want to be a musician. So that was uh, the major
1: event <laughs> Imagine that, right? That, that in your DNA has been poured, however that works, energetically, what came into you? Like most of us. Okay, so true story. My, my Elvis story is that about in the 70s or something, my mom took us kids, all us rotten brats, single mother piled us in a a Datsun b210 or whatever it was station wagon (laughs) (laughs) we're all crunched up five of us right oh gosh um but we went down and i looked at the stars things you know the little maps to the stars and there was a place and we all took our picture out of this house that was Elvis's, right? It was, you know, of course it probably was not. That was my claim to fame. How close I got to Elvis was that I got a picture outside of a house that probably was never his. You actually got to see him. Woo! That's yeah. and Beatles. So so you really saw some of the most incredible world renowned people at a pretty young age. And
0: that was you know, it was this that 16- was it. Yeah, the '60s. I, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure every generation says, "Well, my group of musicians is it." But you know, <clears throat> I think that in terms of modern music, yeah. contemporary music, oh, you know, I, I think uh, I was just grew up at, at the right time for for me to be able to see some of these bands that that uh, were truly the iconic uh, bedrock yes of rock, of rock music rock music and uh, well when I was uh my first foray into music I was I was not a bass player I was a singer a front man it was like the R&B soul era so you know Otis Redding and um, yeah. those guys Wilson oh. you know oh my well, gosh that's those crazy. guys were the were my sort of vocal I I kind of set my vocal was very, I was always very gravelly, so it fit into that that genre. And I was, I loved to dance, so I was doing all the James Brown splits. and.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: <laughs> believe me, I'd rip myself apart if I tried. No, <laughs> but when I was young, I was really flexible. Yeah, right,
1: <laughs> right. Well, you we know, I guess we all were at some point right before when we could still easily pop back up from the floor. I, yeah. I can get that. I remember as a kid. Um, I was really inspired by Mavis Staples and oh, yeah. by, uh, by Janice Joplin. Those were the two who, for me, that I just, that doesn't mean I didn't have a, um, uh Donnie Osmond posters on my wall and and uh, <laughs> <laughs> David Cassidy I <laughs> still have that but when I was singing with my hairbrush in the in the mirror it was Mavis and, oh, and yeah Janice Well you, you can
0: tell I mean your voice is just I, I I've told you this before but I'll tell the audience that you know I think pop, probably my favorite voice that I've heard like in that genre here in this in this town for sure was i used to always couldn't wait till Ali got up at the lounge to sing because it was like here we go oh
1: well that's that's very kind thank you i'll 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 stew in that for a little while i I still have i
0: still have actually a picture that laney sanders took of you singing and i'm playing bass Oh, uh, I'll send you. I'll send you it.
1: I would love to see that. Well, we were. I was thinking about that earlier, like, um, because I mean, now a, a sidebar here. So I'm just now. Uh, you know, I'm almost nine years post accident, and I'm just now getting set up with, um, Ian, uh, ear, nose and throat specialist and speak because I can't sing anymore. Right. I can't. So, um, so I'm, we're, we're walking that out, but I had to be able to, you know, walk, talk and stand up right before I could go to the, Gracious, yeah. But so thanks. I, you know, I, every once in a while when someone says something to me and I remember, I used to be a singer, uh, then it, it, it just, it, it inspire. It makes me sad at first, and then it inspires me to. Um, and and my very last gig I ever played was with you at that house concert that we played. I can't remember where. Really nice place. It was set up like kind of um, belt. The seats went up like um, tiered up, and it was in in a round kind of thing. It was. I don't know if it was a like a double garage or something. It something. was.
0: It was Merlin's house concert. It was the okay. House Concert?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, it was at Merlin's. It's it's like a little amphitheater. Yes, it was beautiful. Five, yeah.
1: It was fun. It was uh, Brad Hawks. and yes. uh, Just a second. Bill Holtham? The Holtham?
0: Bill Holtham. Hold them. Yes.
1: Yes. Oh and me and God, him yeah. are going to do something after that. Yes. And this is a true story. Him and I were going to go into the studio on the Tuesday and Saturday was my accident. Oh and so that God. didn't. But anyways, okay. So you know what? It, it, here we go. Here we go. This is life. <laughs> and, and that's part of what this whole thing is about. It is. It's is a journey. Crap happens, right? And then yeah. how do we figure out our way through that to get to the place? Because I'm guessing, um, so really fun happens the awesome part of your story is that you saw Elvis and you saw uh, the Beatles live and you were born in this great time. And to this amazing, I love the pictures and the stories about your mom. I hope that we'll get into those oh, a bit, yeah, sure. but it wasn't all. Uh, so it didn't go. And then everything went perfect for me forever and ever. Amen. It yeah. probably didn't go quite that way. I'm going to guess.
0: <laughs> no, there's, there's always uh potholes along the way you know, yeah. but the journey continues, you know, you just, you pick up, I mean, I I've had, uh, I've just fortunately in terms of music, I've, I've been really, really has been gifted, uh, uh yeah. not in terms of my talent or anything, but just gifted in terms of the experiences that I've, I've had, you know, and the friends, the friends along the way that, uh, were just that I just got in, in with uh, this dear friend of mine who we're boyhood friends. And he was sort of, we were in the, our first band together. I mean, that's a pretty standard story, you know, is you always hook up with one friend who is the, the person that you t- travel this road with. And I traveled with them for quite a long time. And we had our own horrible breakup uh, that took place, and then it got mended after a few years of silence. But you know, the people you meet, I think, is more more important than than yes. the stuff you do. You know, because it's uh, I could have sat in my house and 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 played music, but you know, you meet the people, and the people become part of your journey, Yeah. and it becomes this incredible tapestry of your life, musical life. And yes. everyone play, plays a, a part, has a brush in your painting, you know?
1: Oh, that I love that. And that's true because there's there's a little part everywhere. Like if I'm, I'm thinking about when I, I remember when I first met you, I think it was just, I know I might be confused about the timeline here, but the first thing I knew of you that you had been in this just incredible ZZ Top, um, tribute band. Uh, at, when did that, so what, what years would those? That open? was
0: 1984. It was, the uh, uh, I had just come off the road. I was on, I was on tour with this really fantastic guitar player named Billy Durst. And we had done a, a nine week Canadian tour. And when I got home, uh, when we were rehearsing, uh, Billy had uh, had said, Lonnie, I don't want to just do this all my own solo stuff, uh, my own uh, stuff. It was a full band. He said, let's do a song you want to do. And I said, oh, you know, I really dig ZZ Top. And they had a new album out, Eliminator. And uh, so I said, well, let's do, let's learn Give Me All Your Loving. So we did, did that. And it would be like the, you know, of course, all the crowds across Canada. This was a brand new album of ZZ Top's, so right. it was huge. So of course, when I sang it and played it, the crowd, would, the crowds would go crazy. And and at the end, all along this tour, I kept thinking, "Gee whiz, Lonnie, you know you you sound just like Billy Gibbons, the the guitar player." Yeah, so that was stuck in my head. So when I got back off the road with Billy, I was I went back to my my boyhood. Friend, who was a great guitar player, and I said, "John, let's do some ZZ Top, and let's get a band together, and we'll do some ZZ Top." So we started rehearsing, you know, generic cover songs, but you know, we had about six ZZ Top songs, and it was like we would look at each other and go, "Wow!" Like. (laughs) <laughs> these are unbelievable. The other ones are good. These are incredible. Right. My friend John always learned everything perfect. So it was the exact tone, the exact notes. So it was like, okay, let's get a drummer. We're going to do his easy top tribute. And it lasted till I left for Victoria, which was 2011. So,
1: right. So it was, was okay. So it was just, when you had you would when I yeah. met you was you would just, yeah, I, in my like, memory that's how it went but I just wasn't sure if I was yeah. if I had that correctly or yeah not. that was
0: remarkable and you know I'd grown a, a beard a long beard for fourteen years and uh, and uh, you know we toured everywhere I toured North America and uh, uh, Scandinavia a bunch of times and. You know, I, I did. I'm sure that I played more gigs than ZZ Top ever did, right? Because we used to do like 241 nighters a year. Did that for about 14 years, and then my gosh, it got cut back because you know the bars changed and and they got their own systems. We didn't carry big PA anymore. So, but still, I did I did thousands of gigs uh, doing that. And it was like it was just. You know, it's a godsend. It was it. It allowed me because I wasn't a, a singer-songwriter per se. I started when at around the same time as I started the ZZ Top thing. I started writing my own stuff, and it was right. all like, you know, I hear the songs now, and it's like, oh God, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but still, that seed was planted, and right. I'll get into that. But, uh, you know, this Easy Top thing was just allowed me to be, I call it the minor leagues of stardom. I mean, we were just all over the place. We, we toured all the time. and we had, I never touched by the gear. I never had to load a truck. I, you know, we had roadies, guitar techs, drum tech. We had a real big operation. And, you know, as a bar band, as right. a bar band, with before the third year was up we had grossed million a million dollars as a as a bar band
1: and that is at the same time i, I just want to say this cuz you're saying like okay so right now if 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 i did a, a a tribute band for led zeppelin or the beatles that's one thing because no one can go see them right yes. you're touring this making that kind of money doing all of this stuff at the same time as ZZ Top
0: is absolutely they were and you know it's a funny thing because I always have to give some perspective because a million bucks it's a lot of money but you know some of the bands that are out there now that do oh. these huge shows like Led Zepp again and uh what is it Pigs that does
1: the oh boy. right
0: and they'll they'll sell out the Royal uh theater yes know, at 60 bucks a ticket you know but, you know, when we were playing, it was a $5 cover. So, Price. you know.
1: That's how many gigs you did.
0: Yeah. And so, and also we did door deals. So, you know, we would do percentage deals so that uh, you you would tell the club owner, we'll do a, we'll, we'll take 80% of the door for, for do three days. You know, so we did a gig in Halifax where we were guaranteed forty five hundred bucks for three days, but we ended up making thirteen thousand dollars. That's how many people came to see us. So it was like unbelievable; it was insane how <laughs> bizarre it was. But you know, this is—it uh, was the beginning of the whole scene of like quote unquote tribute bands. The only other tribute bands aside from Elvis. There was a phenomenal Montreal uh, band, uh, Blushing Brides did the Stones. And uh, Maurice Raymond was uh, Mick Jagger, and he was like phenomenal. And so, you know, there were a few out there doing it. And we were one of the first to do that, the kind of rock, the rock thing. And it was, it was just, I, I did it for 26 years. I mean, it was just, it was phenomenal. But it was also hindering at the same time because I had this idea of doing my own. And you know, sometimes practicality and safety trumps cre- your creativity.
1: Right. And and that makes sense. for I, I can see that because I know I mean that's why so many of us kept day gigs. That's why sure. so many of and that's and then going into doing uh cover tunes first. Yeah. That's where we decide. Am I going to? Because it has only been. I'm going to say, the last twenty years has it been acceptable and even uh, celebrated that we do a cover and kind of flip it around and do it our own way? When I remember when I was first in bands, I, I mean it. They, I had to sing it in the key yes other and then this guy sang it in right i mean i was i was blessed with a a nice range but but i mean people if you were doing a cover song man it didn't it had to be note for note and it had to be in the same key how cruel for the vocalist but (laughs) but it was so yeah that's i can see that and then when you're because you're such a creative spirit i can imagine right i mean you're 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 paying a mortgage and raising kids and doing all this stuff with that kind of money. And that's going to be a hard sell back at home to say, you know, I could be making 50 bucks a night in a coffee shop doing my own music.
0: <laughs> that's true. And you know, uh, th- this flips uh, nicely into like it was 1973 and my, my wife was, was an American. She's a Canadian now, but she moved here from Detroit I met her in university in Michigan, and uh, so she came. And I was—I had a a dear friend who I still have as a dear friend, who was an unbelievable songwriter. And I mean, he's he's a Canadian treasure, really. And his name's Eddie Schwartz. Oh and, yeah. And Eddie is is like a brilliant songwriter. And uh, I mean, his big hit was "Hit Me with Your Best Shot," bad Benatar. Yes. But, you know, I actually was the very first person to ever hear that song because he and, he and I were a duo and I played string bass and he was played acoustic. We did all his original music. And, uh, you know, and he said, I got this new song, Lonnie. Let, it's called Fire Away. And so we were learning. And it was, it's hit me with your best shot, Fire Away. And uh, so that was the first time I ever heard the, what was going to be Pat Benatar's biggest hit. But Eddie and I toured for about three years uh, and uh, were great friends. And uh, his songs were just so brilliant. His original music was so gorgeous that he was a tremendous influence uh, in my own personal uh, journey as, as a songwriter. And uh, that was 1973 till 76 and then another songwriter i hooked up with and did a tour with was this really beautiful singer shirley Eichardt. and shirley yeah
1: I shirley, know her
0: big song was the bonnie rates talk uh just give me something to talk about right and uh so shirley was another gorgeous writer and i toured with her oh whoa, whoa,
1: wait she wrote that song
0: yeah she wrote it, and she sent it to Bonnie Raitt as a phone message because she couldn't get in touch with her. And Bonnie Raitt heard it on a phone message and, and took it. Yeah. It's
1: well, like, she had to know how to get a hold of Bonnie Raitt by Well, time. she had
0: a friend who knew Bonnie Raitt and said, you, oh, ought to, you, oh. ought to send, you ought to call her and talk to her and send it to her. And when she called, she Bonnie Raitt was on tour, and only her answering machine was there. So she sang it.
1: <laughs> this is, see this is this is oh you have the uh, best stories and you know this is for people who are coming up and I'm going to say young or not so young like don't give up and there's there's always this no
0: absolutely there's,
1: there's always this way that it's that it's going to come around and and uh, I love that so so there we go that's how that's a great story
0: yeah you know I've been really again gifted with this opportunity to have played with so many and been associated with a lot of really great uh, writers. And after, uh, after I got back from Shirley's tour, I I became the bass player in the pit of a, a Toronto version of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which was just oh. unbelievable. We did that for about a year. And uh, the the guitar player in that pit orchestra was uh, another unbelievable songwriter named uh, Gary O'Connor. And he was in a, an amazing tribute called Liverpool, which was Toronto's biggest Beatles tribute. Right. And Gary was just this remarkable, uh, incredible uh, guitar player and unbelievable songwriter in the rock, rock China. And he sold a couple of huge hits to, um, uh, Thirty-eight special a a rock band, Southern rock band, and their biggest hit was Gary wrote. So I was now switched into this this inspiration from a rock perspective. uh, Eddie Schwartz was more acoustic song singer songwriter, right? But Gary O'Connor was more like he was a songwriter for he wrote for others.
1: That's, right that
0: was his that was that his was gig his was stage. although you know if he, eddie wrote for joe cocker uh the staple singers uh, you name it so, oh my yeah,
1: goodness
0: brothers so he was and uh, he doesn't write any longer but he's huge in 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 songwriting craft and and helping musicians get their fair their due you know wow. so songwriters you know, so I figured the next step for me was, well, hell.
1: That's right. <laughs> How
0: about I can be a songwriter? <laughs> so, you know, first song I ever wrote, uh, you know, I I played for Eddie, my Eddie, because you know, hey, what do you think of this? And he said, Wow, that cool song. That's all that was cool song. Well, so but it was still pretty neat to do. And you know, so I just on and off I've i have been writing, I always kept my guitar with me i, I, I was never a, really a, a guitar player until in the 80s i started to to learn to to play a, a little bit you know just for chords and but i wrote a lot of songs on bass off bass you know but uh you know it's just inspiration from others is is was my first foray into into songwriting right and, uh, and then it was just, you know, I'm a voracious reader, or I was. Uh, uh, so I used to just read all the time. And and that was also inspirational because I'd get ideas just from books I'd read.
1: It, I, I understand. Like, I, I constantly am inspired by things that are around me. First, before I forget, I want to say this. I, I, I know you're saying how lucky you've been and how blessed you've been. And, and I don't, I'm certainly not going to take away from any of that. But other than being an incredibly disciplined and skilled player, you're one of the nicest people to work with. Like you're, and your energy on stage is like every single, I'm going to say this, everybody who plays with you, you, you make us all feel like, were superstars or something like that's just probably how I'm going to guess that's just who you naturally are. I don't really know. You're, you are a person who is a springboard for others. You're a person who's a cheerleader. You see something in someone and man, you just call it to life. And I wanted to say that because that's been my experience with you, whether I've been actually working in a gig with you, or if I've been at a jam or something like that, it's like Lonnie comes in and all of a sudden it's the little engine that could, like, I thought I was going to be okay. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, damn, I'm pretty good now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, Allie, I, I, I have this, this, uh, I have a, a very specific thing that happens to me. And this actually goes more with drummers than anyone else. I have this thing with drummers and, uh, uh, every drummer i've ever played with has had incredible things happen to them uh in their careers and you know i'll, I'll take i'll take the uh accolades for that you know my uh dear friend his name's gary craig phenomenal drummer yeah and we played together quite a lot and he would always ask me advice uh when he was going on tour with some bands, he'd talk about it. He'd let me hear the music, blah, blah, blah. And I'd say, Oh, that's a great band. And you know, he was playing with this heavy metal band in, in in Winnipeg on tour. And an opportunity came up. Oops, I think I just you lost me. Do you still hear me? No, there are right.
1: I can see you are.
0: I always have to tap my computer because it's such an old thing. <laughs> Anyways, uh I, I told Gary he got an offer to come back and, pl- and play with this band that was a very pop songwriting-oriented band. And he asked me what I thought. And I said, Gary, you, you got to leave the heavy metal band. They're always going to play that circuit. But this band in Toronto, they're really quality, great songwriting, and I think they're going to go somewhere. They were called The Arrows. and uh, they had a few hits and uh, so Gary left the band and as he flew when he got into Toronto the original drummer from the Arrows decided he didn't want to quit (laughs) so so my friend has left without either gig so he calls me he's so bummed and I said Gary one door closes another is going to open you're a great player Something's going to happen. And literally the next day, he got a call to audition for Anne Murray, the, the songwriter. Yes. Singer-songwriter. Canadian icon. So yes. because her drummer, Bjorn Anderson, had left to be with Alana Miles. And uh, Gary got the gig, played with Anne for 26 years.
1: My
0: goodness! But the th- the amazing thing about that is, like Anna Schlock, you know, it's Schlock pop, but she's amazing.
1: Yes, amazing, absolutely.
0: So, and and so Gary just shifted from playing rock into this really intensely organized, arranged Vegas kind of yeah drumming. Yes. So out of that, he got uh, Bruce Coburn hired him. The, th- the amazing thing with, with Ann was he would do 75 or 80 gigs, but she kept him on retainer all year. So he was making like 1250 bucks a week all year, regardless of whether he played play or not. So he has all these opportunities to go and do other things. He got Tom Cochran. Uh, he did, uh, you know, he just was able. Yes.
1: Like, well, because now he he's in that...
0: Yeah, but in that arena, right? He'd always call me and ask, hey, man, what's your advice? Bruce wants to take me on a world tour, Coburn. And I said, you know what? Don't do it. (laughs) He said, why? I said, because you have Anne-Marie's gig. If you leave that gig, someone else is going to do it. You'll come back off of a road gig with Bruce Coburn. You'll have a fantastic uh, tour jacket. Yep. That he'll give you, and you'll be back playing bars.
1: Yes, that see that is that's that's really good business sense. And yeah. as with when you're saying um, with Anne Murray keeping her her tight her tight crew or you know her yeah. her circle, making sure that they're taken care of because then they're not they're not off they don't who wants absolutely to and
0: you know ali and the funny thing about it was i just knew because i know gary my friend i said look you just gotta be patient because you know stuff happens and you just that you're you're going to be your mind's going to get blown because if you just let it all flow everything will work out and so he he told bruce no and he stayed. And then Anne, a, a couple of years later, said, "I'm going to just reduce my schedule, and you're not on retainer anymore, so you can go do whatever you want." And like he's, he said, within a week he got a tour with who else, Bruce Cohen. So he ended up getting it anyways. So and then from that he got Tom Cochran, and from that who the uh. uh the black in the rodeo kings who he's their their, their drummer and Jan Arden tours with her. So he's remarkable. And you know, and he always says to me, he says, you know, Lonnie, you're you're you were kind of like this uh, you know person that was just saw where I was where I could be and helped me to direct me to towards Towards that, and this has happened with other drummers as well. I won't get into the the details, but but it's just something with drummers that I that I uh, you know. Oh, actually, one other. This guy named Paul DeLong. He's like one of Canada's unbelievable uh, drummers, and Paul was with uh, a guy named Kim Mitchell, and uh, and you know Max. We we may have heard of him. Yeah, so (laughs) he was touring with Kim. So he was on the road in the states doing tours. Uh, and he got back off the road and Kim was going into writing mode. So he had nowhere to go and he was looking for a gig. So uh, my band, Tres Hombres, the ZZ Top thing, the drummer wanted to take a break or leave. And so I called Paul. I said, Hey Paul, I know you're like a jazz guy and you play heavy rock. Let's, you want to play? So he played with me for nine months. It was great, and I sent him his T four slip, and he called me. He said, "Lonnie, I think you made you made a mistake because the amount." I said, "No, man, that's that's how much he made this this year." With us, he says, "Man, I I was on the road with Kim for two years. I didn't make this <laughs> amount of money, <laughs> so you know I would help help out." We were always yeah. we were always as a band you know I was I I was I wasn't great with my money because I I gave a lot of it away I and I used to like we the we used to get calls from road crews of big bands in Canada saying hey you know they'd call the our road crew and they'd say look tell Lonnie if if you ever leave we're we'd love to come and Get on board. Wow. They all. Everyone knew that that I took care of the guys really, really well. Yeah. Yes, because you are the, a generous. jobs spirit. were were unbelievable, and and uh, that's sort of the people behind the scenes of music that we don't ever give a minute's notice. You know, a right. moment's notice, and uh, these guys are just uh, the horses that run the the machine. You know, and they're. Yeah, great, and I've always, always, uh, always done my best to take care of the folks that I've, I, uh, that work for me, in those situations. So yeah, that was always that was always something I always tried to be sure of to maintain a healthy relationship. Although yes. I will throw this out, I I've changed Allie, over my life, you know. <laughs> but believe me, there's plenty of of garbage bags of <laughs> filled with stuff I've done that I uh, uh, am, uh, I'm no longer reg- regretting them because I, I I made amends you know over my life uh, when I left Toronto I I made sure to uh, clean up all the yeah. situations because I didn't want to leave and uh, leave those, You know, endings are not bad, but bad endings are terrible.
1: Yes. Yeah, it, well, oh. that, that's the thing, right? It's, you know what? I Because I can just feel us. We, we're we're going to be able to go. Oh, I want to pick this right up, but yeah. I would like it to be in our next episode if, the, if you oh. have time for that. Oh, you that kidding? Be okay? <laughs> That's awesome. If
0: you've got time, I, <laughs> I, 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 got, I got a million out of them.
1: <laughs> well, I've got nothing planned till Friday. So we're,
0: <laughs> that's yeah, awesome.
1: Go. Well everybody thanks so much for coming and hanging out with us today Lonnie ah Lonnie Glass you are a treasure hey we'll
0: get into the civil war next
1: (laughs) oh that's awesome I'll have to pull Dave into here and I'll tell you why later but that'd be awesome oh my gosh well this is Allie and find your joy thank you so much for hanging out and Lonnie thank you and do remember to find your joy and you are loved